He's got a beautiful backswing. That's, oh, he got all of that one. Oh my gosh. That is amazing. Lay up with an iron into the hazard. Well, that wasn't quite what I meant, you know. What's up, everybody? Welcome into another edition of the 73rd Hole. Colby Powell, Taylor Williams, Sam Humphreys with you as always. We are the award-winning podcast, the official podcast of Golf Oklahoma. Head over to GolfOklahoma.org right now. GolfOklahoma.org. There you can read about the Oklahoma Sooners and the Oklahoma State Cowboys, men's and women's, getting after it this spring as college golf is getting underway. A lot to get to throughout today's show. We will talk all that college golf. We've got some Super Bowl later in the show. But, boys, it was... It was kind of golf Super Bowl this week with the Waste Management Phoenix Open, the people, the hole-in-ones, the beer showers, and the Longhorn bringing it home in the playoff after he failed to kick it in from five feet in regulation. Scotty Scheffler is finally on the board. What, what's the old saying? Better late than never for Scotty Scheffler. It was just a matter of time, right? I mean, he's been one of the most solid players on tour now for almost two years, right? I mean, from the time that he came on tour to now he's just consistently gotten better and better and better and this is the first of many to me with Scotty Scheffler and to me the reason why he won the tournament was because he was the only one that had onions coming down the stretch I mean he was the only guy that was making birdies and not making bogeys and not making bogeys Brooks Brooks made a bogey on 16 correct Tagala made a bogey on 17 Cantlay made a par a bad par on 17 Yes, and, yes, he did. And then, the, yeah, obviously the whole Thigala thing that we can get into a little bit too. He was clutch on 16, not clutch on 17. It was a bunch of sneaky choking going on. Cantlay, he had the sneaky choke too. He should have birdied 17 or 18 or both. How about that he putt he hit on 18 in regulation? Cantlay. Didn't even sniff oh, the hole. It was, it was so short and low, it was wild. Let me ask you this, Taylor. I was very much, when Scheffler missed the five-footer, in regulation to send it to overtime, I was very overtime Super Bowl uh, <laughs> to send it to a playoff. I was starting to almost get Finau vibes, like, oh my gosh, this guy he just can't win, he can't close the door, and then he gets it done in the playoff. So luckily, we don't have to have the Finau vibes conversation about Scheffler. Yeah, and I think Nance said it best on the telecast. It was like, like we're not just sitting here screaming at Scheffler, saying like, why the hell haven't you won yet? But it was like we all knew that it was coming. He's and still it was young good. enough. Yeah, he's, like you said, he only been coming. out there for two years, and he hadn't been out there for ten or it whatever. It would have been coming. And so, you know, one of the things, you know, kind of like Sam said, and you know, no one else had any onions. Cantley, who he went into the playoff with yesterday, guys, lost point one four two strokes gained putting, and that is wow. that's the if he would have won, that would have been the highest I like ever seen a guy win a tournament and get the final round putt that bad. I'll give him this though, he did make some short putts after hitting some terrible putts. And uh, you, like, know, you know, with all those people watching, what what is it? One hundred fifty thousand people go to the waste management, and you leave a putt three and a half feet short. I think I saw somewhere. I think I saw somewhere that Saturday was more than two hundred thousand fans. Two hundred thousand. That's that's literally more than two OU football stadiums. It's insanity. Oh, and, and to fit all those people on on the golf course is just mind boggling me. But you know, going back to Cantlin, that putt on eighteen. I think you could tell because, you know, he does his little stutter step thing when he gets set. And you can tell when he does it a couple more times, he's a little bit more uncomfortable. And 
I think that hole, you know, obviously late in the day, the grass was growing a little bit, but I think that hole is a little bit on a little shelf. So where he was, he almost had to putt Such over a bit. Subtle and break. Then, like what? What did we see from a uh, bunch from of guys? Shoffley. Shoffley yes. had like the weirdest read there. Uh, I mean, I don't think it was the greatest stroke by Scheffler, but I still think it was a misread. By Shoffley, you mean? No, by Scheffler and Shoffley. Okay, but, yeah, yeah. So Shoffley did it first. He totally misread it. I'm saying then uh, from the other side of the hole, Scheffler on the putt to win the in regulation, he, he aimed like just outside right and almost went right, right? You know, it, it wasn't like the greatest read in the world, even though he was kind of quick on the stroke too. Yeah, I, I definitely, whenever, because they show the back camera and you see Scheffler down the line and you think, Man, that's way right. It's almost like he's yeah. either going to have to die this in or he's going to have to pull it. And he did zero of two of that. <laughs> but it didn't come back to, to bite him in the ass too bad because, I mean, and going back on to Scheffler here too, I want to point this out. This is the difference in him winning tournament or not. Made a 22-footer on 10 to start the back nine for birdie. He two-putted a 13 for birdie. He made a about a 10-footer on 14. Got a, had a nice up and down from the backside of 15. And then did exactly what Cantley didn't do on 17. And my boy Hideki and a lot of other players I saw who chipped it up or hit it just short of the green on 17. It didn't look like it was that hard of a chip to me, but everyone was struggling with it. I don't know what it was. Maybe the grain was growing weird down there. It also looked like the hole was a little bit over a ridge, so that mm -hmm. could have thrown him off a little bit. But I was just shocked with how many people hit it there and then weren't able to hit a good shot. And I was glad that Scheffler won because he cashed in my favorite prop bet of the night, which was the waste management winner will have more birdies in the final round than Aaron Donald will have tackles and assists. What what ended up being the numbers? So, uh, what Scheffler have nine birdies, right? Yeah, no, he didn't have nine birdies yesterday, did he? He had five on the back nine. He did, nine. Did, did a playoff count? That is the question. That's I don't know, but oh, that it, is a good it question. It ended up not mattering because Aaron Donald only had four tackles. Um, and what a bum! Uh, yeah, so Scheffler <laughs> had eight. Eight birdies. Wow. Eight birdies and okay. one in the playoff. He had four bogeys yesterday. I guess that's why I didn't think he had eight birdies is because I, I knew he didn't go super deep but yesterday. But my whole thought process was everyone's up there close, and it's one of the easier courses on tour, so they're going to make six or seven unless the Gala wins. Right? Yeah, I'll say yeah, this. That, the course was playing firm and fast, though, and that was refreshing to me after watching a month of pitch and putt, ball lands and sticks. I yep. mean, there were some holes where if you're coming in with a, a mid to long iron, some of those par threes, especially on the front side, like I mean, that the, ball was landing in zoom, gone. Even the Carlos Ortiz ace, that's a nine iron, and that thing yeah. holds so much. Yeah. yeah, and you saw a lot of like eight irons, nine irons, like you said, when normally they're just sticking in the green, maybe even have a little backspin on them. They're rolling out 10 feet. You know, I saw Billy Horschel had some shots like that coming down the stretch, even Kepka as well, so the, we know how high he hits The it. point that I wanted to get to, by the way, about Scheffler and Cantlay in that playoff I was half watching it because I had the two TVs set up going. The Super Bowl obviously starts. By the way, can we can we start the golf a little bit earlier? Move the tee times up. An they hour. don't they don't give any time for a playoff before the Super Bowl. They allow for one playoff hole. One playoff hole was played before the Super Bowl started. There's so we, dumb. There are playoffs at the waste management all the time. And I want to ask. This is a little bit off topic. I just want to get onto it. Why does the Super Bowl start at five thirty? For That's kids, a great right? question. In the longer halftime show and for yeah. kids. Because it's still, I mean, it wasn't over until 9.15, so it's it regu regular season time. games. You don't yeah. want it to run into 11 o'clock at night. Yeah, and I think regular season games being three hours and the Super Bowl being closer to four kind of moves it up some. But Okay, so back to the playoff. It was kind of a pillow fight for a while, especially off the tee. They kept hitting it. <laughs> Scotty especially kept yep. hitting it in those right bunkers. It was like they were hitting anti-shots from the 
I mean, the water really doesn't come into play anymore like it used to, right? It's They drive it right over that water, but the bunker that they added over the water, those guys are hitting anti-shots out to the right, and it, it was kind of a pillow fight there for a while. It wasn't the most entertaining playoff of all time. No, yeah. and especially when you had the, the Super Bowl going on, too, and it's like you got the two TVs set up. You don't know where to put your focus into, yeah. and you walk I, up and you I see still, guys missing to 10 this footers. moment, I haven't seen the putt from Scotty Scheffler that he made to win. Really? It was a good putt. No, it I, was a great putt. I didn't see it because I was watching the, the Super Bowl at the time. Uh, I believe it was 25 feet. I, I think it was in that range, yeah. Yeah, I was watching the Super Bowl at the time, and then all of a sudden I look over to the other TV, and Scotty's giving the everybody quiet down sign. Yeah. I'm like, he must have made it. Yeah, which, by the way, good sportsmanship for Scotty, telling everybody to quiet down yeah. so that Cantlay could putt. But, yeah, it was three straight pars for Cantlay and uh, two pars and then a birdie for Scheffler. Here's my question. I, I understand... You want to have the playoff where the people are at. It's easy to just go back to 17 or to, to just go back to 18T over and over and over again. But is the 17th hole out there not tailor perfect. made for a playoff? I mean, let's have play. To. Let's alternate 18 17. Let, there are so many the people most out there. Boring playoff hole of all time. 18 is the most boring of the final four holes at that course, and it's really not close. I completely agree. I would like to. I would like to see fifteen be played too, and or go put all the people back in sixteen Coliseum and do 16. it again. Sixteen's too much of a, a, you know, cluster, right? Well, and it's in yeah. reality those aren't that close to the eighteenth green. So I mean, you'd have to do a lot of driving in the cart to it's get not out that there. far away. But what? But, but to, I mean, seventeen though. I mean, let's alternate 17 and 18. I think that's an easy way to do it where you don't have to, like, totally massively do this huge logistical undertaking. It's perfect because then the I people mean, that are leaving the stadium from 16 just go watch the playoff on 17. Yeah, it's like if there's 150,000 people out there, they're not all crowded around number 18. I guarantee a bunch of people on that property were watching the playoff on screens elsewhere on the golf course because they couldn't get around the 18th hole. Let's leave people around the 17th hole because they're going to be there anyway. People are around the 18th hole. We alternate between those two holes because 17 is a playoff hole. So much can happen there with so much pressure on the line. I would love to see that as a playoff hole. I totally agree with that, Colby. T-Dub, I want to ask you a question about the gala. Our boy Sahith, by the way. Sahith, <laughs> not Sahith. We're learning how to pronounce the name. Sahith. Uh, the gala. Okay, so let's go back to 15. Obviously, pulls it left in the bunker, hits one of the best clutch bunker shots I've seen in a long time, especially from a young guy trying to close out a tournament for the first time. Then he goes to 16, probably the most nerve-wracking tee shot of any tee shot in golf when you're trying to close out a tournament, especially for the first time. Now, I'll ask my first question here. Does the fans being around 16 make it more nerve-wracking or less nerve-wracking when you're trying to close out a tournament. You know, I'll say this. I'll say that, and and Brandon Chambly said this on, on the pregame. It's literally the dumbest thing I ever heard. Going back to what he said before, said that the fans there know how to be respectful and to stop talking when players are hitting. It's like, I didn't see that one time all week. They, they, just, <laughs> they literally did not shut up. I love it. It was the no, dumbest dumbest thing. So yeah, they never stopped. So but I, you love it, right? I, I do. And and I'll but put, you're just saying the, the comment was Yeah, dumb. the comment was dumb. <laughs> and and I and I'll say it about this because it kind of it's relates in this aspect when you know, when you get down to the final stretch, final couple groups, you know, those most of the people up there, not most, at least a good amount know that, oh, hey, they're actually competing to win a tournament here. But they don't. I would almost rather them keep talking. 
That, that, right? that, that's exactly what I'm saying is that a lot of people are going to shut up because they think it, but people are still going to talk. So this is the point I, that I said to people. It's like I'm just glad no, no one yelled in a backswing or something. No, like yeah, that. it's noise isn't the problem. It's when it it's when the noise volume changes in mm-hmm. your backswing. It's, it's like it's a sudden shocking noise. Right. It's, it's like if everyone's talking and then it gets dead quiet when you're atop your swing. It's the exact same. It's that's distracting. Like, it's the exact yes. same as if people that's start like talking. If if I was if I was ever in that situation, I never will be. But I would pump up the crowd before you tee off. So you don't have that. Yeah, right? and, and that's what I think would happen in okay. the the last few groups is that the the crowd, some of the crowd would not realize the situation. There'd be a little bit let more quiet, but more noise would come up in a backswing. That's so what I was. I, I lean towards toward it's more nerve wracking to have all those. I would people think so too, just because it's so obscure. Yeah. Right? Uh, but, well, because it's something that you're you almost already never experienced. Well, you're already in a situation that you haven't ever done before, trying to close out a tournament for the yeah. first time in Tigala, and then you're uh, in this stadium. And then you're in an arena. Yeah, right? Yeah. And, okay, so, and that never happens in golf. All right, so, anyways, he gets up on that tee box, hits a great shot. I First of all, I thought he was going to make the putt because he got the read. Was it from, I think it was from, was it from Scheffler? Or, or who, who was the read from on... That the Gala got on six. I think it was Scheffler. I think that's right. Whenever the gender was being announced at our gender reveal, it, so it I was Scheffler. It. I think <laughs> I was at a gender reveal yesterday afternoon. So I had, I had the golf on the phone on mute, and then when yeah, the Super Bowl it, came on, I had the golf on the phone, Super Bowl on the TV. It was Scheffler because right. uh, Kepka hit it over the green. Correct. Okay, so then he steps up on seventeen T, and this is the question I want to ask you too, T Dub. This is the second question. You can't miss even close I, he he kind of hit a good shot but not really you can't come close we knew I knew right when he hit that ball that it was in the water because it's going to have so much steam on it and anything middle to left of that you know green slash fairway if it lands anywhere around there it's going in the water and so I thought it was a bad shot by Degala, and then we saw him kind of unravel after that because he still could have you know, even chipped in for it was a poor or, chip, yeah, or made a par, yeah, and still been in the golf tournament. But then he had a terrible chip. So my question to you was: It a bad shot, or was it kind of unlucky that it went in the water? You know, it's it's a little bit of. I would like to know. One thing is, I hundred percent agree with you. I think that you notice all the guys that were up there leading the tournament. Did any of them hit it in the middle of the green? No, they all hit it in that right part where they could chip up and make birdie. Yeah. That's what. That's what when you play winning golf, that's what you have to do. So I would like to know from from Sahith or Sahith is that you know where you, where were you aiming at? Were you trying to hit a little peeler off there, and did you pull it? Did it stay straight? Did, did, because that's one thing that a lot of people don't realize is that not only does your shots get offline when you're under pressure, but your targets get off too because you're not thinking as clearly as you are. So did maybe he get a little quicker and maybe tug it just a hair? And that's because it was it only by just a hair. I was gonna say it's only probably. I mean, if that ball's two or three yards further right when it lands, yeah. it probably doesn't get as extreme of a kick, and he probably ends up in the middle of yeah, the Yeah, but to me, it wasn't an extreme kick. Like, it, it wasn't. That's what it's going to do if you hit it there. And so my point is kind of, if you hit that green, it, you kind of missed, right? Because you got to aim where Cantlay hit that ball, right? He, he Cantlay left it in the perfect place to get up and down. He had a terrible chip shot, right? But you have to aim right center to right you know, rough. Of, and and of that green. especially the situation he was in because he was 16 under at the time. And, yeah. and Cantlay, obviously he didn't know what was going he on was in front in of him per se. Yeah. It's because Cantlay was in the process or already had made par on that hole. If so he, the gall is in control, maybe even semi lay up. 
like semi layup up the right side with an iron, throw a little fifty yard shot in there, let it run back there to well, that back pin. Well, that's what he did on Saturday, which I thought was weird. Was that he hit his he hit his hybrid off that tee and. He hit it like 20 yards short of the green, just kind of right where you want to be with the easy chip. And yeah. then the next day he hits three wood, which is weird to me because you but have more adrenaline going. why are you trying going. to push the issue right there? Here's my thought. He's a rookie. He, he wants to win, and he's saying, okay, I'm going to do it right now. I'm going to go out, and I'm going to hit the shot of the okay, tournament, and I'm going to do it right now. He pressed. That's not how you win right now, though. Oh, I know, but that's what I'm saying. That's where him being a rookie comes in. I agree. I think... But five years down the road, I don't think he's trying to pull that shot off. I agree. Five years down the road, I think he's trying to hit it where the other guys in his group were hitting it and yep. hope that he gets it up and down. Inexperience, I mean, experience matters. I mean, just look, look at what Scheffler did. Obviously, he made the, the good putt on 10, like we mentioned, but just made ho-hum birdies on 13 and 15. That adds it up, then hits it just in front of the green, in front of 17, makes it birdie. You birdie all three of those holes. Next thing you know, you got three easy birdies there. And birdies were, kind of like you said, Sam, with the onions down the stretch, it was, birdies were hard to come by. So when you make easy birdies, those add up. And what did they say? Was there any Eagles made on 17? I guess Carlos Ortiz made one on 17 on the last day. But th- th- Ricky made one on the first day. First day, yeah. Yep. So I was trying to think back to the, the point I was trying to make is not very many players are eagling that hole. Even even the guys who aren't in contention who are going for it just to, you know, say they can make a hole-in-one on a par four or something like Speaking that. Speaking of Ricky, real quick, I just mentioned him. I'm not picking him again the rest of the season. I mean, I, I could still be tempted to later Rick, in the season, but Ricky he's a Fowler, way off form. Ricky Fowler's best shot he hit all week was left-handed. It was like, he should just play left-handed. What's what's the worst that could happen? He misses the cut every week anyway. He, he had a good bum. He had a good left-handed shot, but that shot he hit on 17 that he hold was sick because he went up high with it, which nobody else was doing. Sick. That shot he hit on 17 sick. was what sick. What did get him from freaking three over to one over? What? Yes. <laughs> exactly. Did y'all see what happened to him on Thursday? He had, his ball was under a cactus, and um, yeah. he he it ball moved literally a dimple, and he he went and called a stroke on himself. Hey, hey, I don't he, want people yeah. to think that I picked Ricky Fowler to win or to do anything. I just put him in my DraftKings. I picked Bubba Watson, so I'm not that dumb. But anyways, not gonna even put him in a DraftKings lineup. He's a freaking bum. So I missed the cut by one. I yep. know obviously Mandela effect can come can come into effect at that point, but missed cut by one, <laughs> and you're honest on yourself. So yep. I mean that's that can come back to bite you. E- I, even honestly, on the helps you sleep at night, even though. on the video replay that they showed. I mean, it was tough to tell that his ball moved. As well, anybody who's played desert golf, it's all just kind of like loose rocks. But if there's a, a big one or something around the ball, you want to move it if you can. If you don't think the ball will move, and I mean, ball just ever so slightly oscillated. Nobody else saw it, and he immediately called a rules official over and he said, hey, man, my ball moves. So, misses the cut by a shot. Uh, some other guys near the top. We talked about Xander. Xander was very much in the golf tournament. At one point on Saturday, midway through the round, it looked like Xander was kind of in control of the golf cur- tournament. Kind of came back a little bit, had a rough. Yeah, the wall of wind hit his putt on 18. Double double <laughs> on 11 on Saturday was what got him. Until the double on 11 on Saturday, he looked very much in control. And then yeah. kind of backpedaled. So good tournament from Alex Norin, by the way. Still no fulfilled wins for Xander in a while. Yep. How about Xander making going bogey free yesterday, making just three birdies along the way? I mean, he missed some yeah. holes too because he didn't birdie, didn't birdie fifteen like we mentioned, didn't birdie number three, and there did birdie seventeen, birdie thirteen. So just kind of made some ho hum birdies, but kind of like Sam was saying, you got to birdie some of those other holes if you want to win. That's what Scheffler did. When's the last time we saw a guy win a tournament and lost over half a shot on the field approach? Uh, it's probably been a while. Because that's what Scheffler did this week. Yeah, I didn't even realize that he was that bad on approach. Uh, I mean, he, he was so good 
mostly playoff, obviously, no. notwithstanding. But he was really good off the tee. He made some big-time putts. He was making birdies. I mean, it was 1.24 off the tee, uh, .69 nice around the green, and 1.8 on the greens. That's just unbelievable. Yeah. What's even more unbelievable is Cantlay was 1.36 uh, strokes gained putting on the event, and the last round was that bad. So, I mean, he was on pace for like what, a – What did you say, 1.42 so in the on, last round? On pace for almost a record-setting putting week and then literally just completely fall apart. How about all the massive names that we had inside the top ten? Scheffler, Cantlay, Kepka, Shoffley all inside the top ten. Horschel, Matsuyama, JT, Matty Fitz, Mr. Skill, John Rom, all inside the top ten. John Rom with another backdoor top ten. Oh, just, he backdoored it hard, backdoors everything, yep. dude. How about Yeah, if you had a top 10 bet on him, you were celebrating <laughs> yesterday because that did not look like it was going to happen for a lot of the day. But, you know, guys, even with Scotty Scheffler, who was second most picked in the one and done behind my Hideki, watching this tournament, I know it was right before the Super Bowl, so a little bit of other things going on, but I'm just watching this. I'm like, man. This might be one of my favorite tournaments of the year. I love this place. Oh, I it's love great. It. I mean, where do, I mean, seriously, how many other regular tour events are better than where this? Where else are you going to get Harry Higgs and Joel Damon stripping for the crowd? <laughs> regular tour events? <laughs> So we're talking like uh, I'm not, <laughs> no, not including majors. Of yeah, I mean not. regular tour events. I mean this is it ranks this number is one. the top, especially now. All of the guys, I feel like the top players in the world are seeing how much fun this is, and now we get a strength of field that matches how awesome the event is. I mean all the names I just rattled off in the top ten. It's a great yep. golf course. It's a great finish. It, it played firm and fast. The fans are nuts. It's an well, awesome well, event, and that's the golf side of it. It brings people that don't care about golf at yeah. all to golf i mean look at i know old people might not understand what i'm about to say but it, instagram influencers are out there posting pictures from the waste management open it's 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 like its own super bowl well right? and how about when sam Ryder made the hole in one on saturday oh, and man. the beer shower starts raining down first off Shout out to all of the responsible patrons who shook their beers empty and then threw the cans because one guy heaved a full can of Coors Light and it almost smoked Sam Ryder. I don't know if you saw it on the replay. If you watch the replay, it's like two, three seconds after the hole in one. He's just hugged his caddy and he turns around and this like, you can tell it still weighs eight pounds. Beer can comes flying down and misses him by like a yard. I'm like, shake the, all the beer out of your cans, pour it all <laughs> over the crowd, empty it, and then throw the can out there so that we don't decapitate one of the golfers. Or we could just not do party found. You chug it before you throw it. That yeah. works too. Yeah, are we not? Like, that's my whole deal. It's probably an $11 beer, right? <laughs> Is it is it free drinks after that? If by, someone makes a hole-in-one, can you go get another beer? No, there's no way. There's no way. But by that point in the so, day, everybody's probably already so drunk they don't even care. It's like, hole-in-one, and then they lose their minds and just start throwing everything. Okay, can, can, I, can I say something? Look, I, I love the fact you make a hole-in-one. Let's, let's just go batshit crazy. But <laughs> if, like, on Sunday, we had Justin Thomas chip in from the backside of the green, and we got beers getting thrown on the green. I, I love it. I love it. I, I think that the actual beer throwing should be reserved for aces because I think that's what makes it the tradition of the beer throwing cool. If, yeah. we, if we start throwing beers for everything, then I think the act of the beer throwing loses its luster for the ace. I think a, I think a chip-in semi-deserves it. I think a chip-in, if you were 
going to win the tournament, maybe. Yeah. But JT had never had a chance. A tip in the back door, a top 10. I don't, I don't think that that's beer throwing worthy. Because that's like, yeah. I mean, that's what you're saying. Because also, we talked about this uh, last week. It's not like that green has ridges funneling the ball to the hole. It's why hole in ones there are so rare. We hadn't seen one in seven years, and then we get them in back to back days. Hole in ones there being so rare, I think after this weekend, there's now 11 all time at yeah. that hole. It almost never happens. That's why it's so cool that whenever it does happen, yeah, lose your mind. Do whatever yeah. you want. Yeah, and, uh, you know, like, for example, when Harry Higgs and Joe Damon, they threw their shirts off and were going <laughs> crazy. That's a probably all right situation for it. I would uh, wouldn't mind the beers getting thrown for that just because it's. They were such throwing a, the beers just because it was hilarious. But, I agree. But when we're just doing random chip ins, <laughs> man, come on, you know we're making a long putt. We don't. We all they do that My all the time. My favorite video of the whole time because there was a million videos of it. The Sam Ryder hole in one, and then we obviously had another one. But uh, the cop that was doing yes. the live shot. Just what a time to pick for the live shot. Did you see that one, Tyler? I don't know. I it might have. Phoenix I'm sure PD. I did. Phoenix PD was standing there on the hole, and they were videoing him, and he was just talking about the 16th hole and telling everybody, you know, drive responsibly if you've been out here and all this stuff. And he was like, it looks like one of the players is about to go. You can kind of hear the murmur. We want to be respectful. And then it goes in. Everybody looks. And he's like, you just went to the hole. And he's and not even oh, pissed I didn't that see beers that. are just, like, coming raining down right by oh, him and yeah. everything. Like, people oh, were yeah. throwing beers at the cop. <laughs> the one time where that's acceptable. <laughs> yeah, it was great. It was an unbelievable atmosphere. And, I mean, the fans out there get better every year. Y'all know where the Super Bowl's at next year, don't you? Glendale. Super, hey. Bowl's, Super Bowl's in Phoenix. Oof. The traffic next year on this weekend is going to be... Unbelievable. It's going to be nightmare fuel. The, the, the Saturday of the Saturday before the uh, Super Bowl is going to be the most attended day in PJ Tour history. Yeah. Do you think they can pack 300,000 people in there? Yes. Next year on they'll Saturday? Try. I think they'll try. I think yeah. they'll try. I hope that they can get that's the that's the goal for next year, three hundred K on Saturday. That would also, be also question unbelievable. Ab- question about the stands on sixteen. Can't they in theory just keep building up to make them to make you get more people in there? Theoretically, yes. yeah. Yeah, but it, it, I, I don't think see why that, not. I heard a rumor that they might do another stadium on number seven. Oh, okay. I mean I'd be down for another stadium. That's it wouldn't be as cool because it's not the third to the last hole. Yeah, but but it'd still be eventually cool. Eventually, you're gonna have to have somewhere for all the people to go, right? Exactly. Yeah, you, I mean, you almost got to create a okay. second hole just I don't based know off demand. Said, I don't know if I said this on the last podcast, but my dad knows a guy that's high up in waste management, and he said that he could get a Super Bowl ticket. This is a guy that's high up in waste management. Could get, it w- he would get a Super Bowl ticket easier than a ticket to the stadium on the 16th hole. Well, they were saying that, uh, I think it was on Saturday. For someone else, or maybe it was, himself. Or maybe it was right. Sunday. Um, you know, some guy showed up at 2.30, just ready to roll to get yeah. in there to save his seat. Because it's, like we mentioned before, they have those villas, but they also, most of it's just regular grandstand. It's yeah. like first come, first serve kind of thing. So, I mean, if you want to get there at 2.30, locked and loaded with beers, I mean, you're going to be excited to see a hole-in-one at that point. Oh, yeah. yeah, and after all the beer that everybody drank on 16 Saturday uh, at Phoenix, they need to go see our good friends at Ring Family Dentistry. Ring Family Dentistry. They go out of their way to ensure all treatment is as comfortable as possible. Leading-edge technology delivering same-day crowns for more than 20 years. Implants, clear liner orthodontics. You want it. They've got it. All decisions are made by the patient. Doctors Philip and Brennan Ring have a simple philosophy. Work with what you have, save what you can't, and replace well, uh, pardon me, save what you can and replace what you can't. While some dentists can overtreat, it is their philosophy that patients in their office should only have done what they absolutely need 
need. They explain their opinion, answer any questions, and ultimately leave all decisions to the patient. Give them a Google Ring Family Dentistry here in Oklahoma City. Uh, unbelievable event, ton of fun, and leads right into the Super Bowl. We, we talked about it earlier. Let's move tea times up an hour. But other than that, I mean, as long as you get done before the Super Bowl, I love the fact that Super Bowl Sunday for golf fans has really turned into a full day of just incredible sport. Yeah, it's it's an awesome day in the sports calendar year. It's like Christmas mor- <clears throat> Christmas morning for a sports guy. Yeah, right? it, it, it's it's perfect. It's Super Bowl Sunday. It's the waste management open. I mean, you even have a little bit of Olympics going on this year. It's just everything that you could ever want to just sit on the couch and do absolutely nothing but drink beer and gamble. Can can I ask y'all, isn't – because for me, I've always thought of the Super Bowl like this. Like, it's a great party, but isn't that also sad that you know there's not going to be football for seven months? Yeah. Um, Yes and no. I think that part of what makes us love football so much is that it's not a wraparound calendar sport. We don't get 100 football games. I think that's part of the reason that we're so attached to it is because we do wait seven months for it. We do wait seven, eight months for it every offseason. And then whenever it gets here, we're so geeked. And then we only get it for four or five months. And then we just wait the rest of the year. I think that that's part of what makes football special. So I actually, it doesn't bother me. I'm, I enjoy not having to invest 20 hours of my weekend for the entire year. Because I'm a football junkie. So, I mean, September through NFL playoffs, I'm investing ridiculous amounts of my time watching football. And if that went over the course of 12 months, I think I'd get burnt out. Yeah, I see what you're saying with that, too, because especially us covering golf, imagine if we were trying to cover majors and watch NFL football at the same time. Oh, yeah. I'm also not having to take a... I mean, I might put in a few hours a weekend, but 20 hours, Colby, my goodness. That is, I mean, uh, that's a hefty endeavor there. Well, okay, so you figure we go to all the Oklahoma State home games. I mean, those are 10-hour days. Driving up there, parking, if you go to tailgate, eating, game, all that stuff. Those are 10-hour days. And then Sundays in football season, I mean, I pretty much fire up the red zone at noon. Yeah. It's red zone until 6.30, and then you flip over to the Sunday night football game. I watch every Monday night game. I watch every Thursday night game. I'm investing way too much of my time in football in the fall. I mean, that's uh, no wonder you want a break. Way I too mean, much. I, I would need a break. And, then and I thought I watched a lot And of then football. I've got the PGA Tour wraparound schedule on the second TV while the football's going on in the fall. What did you guys think of the game last night? Any thoughts? Uh, it was, you know, this, this was my thought. It was like the first time I ever watched the Super Bowl, and I thought I was literally just watching a regular Sunday night football game. Why's that? I mean, it, obviously, with it being on a different broadcast every year, that throws it off. But, it's, you know, it was the same. I said a little bit earlier, but the same night. That was my it, favorite broadcast. Broadcast crew. I, they would probably – Nance and Romo is good. They're definitely better than Fox, I would say. Um, yeah. I thought it was a good game. It was – especially come the last few minutes, it was awesome. It could have been yeah. even better. Like I was telling Colby before we came on, it was like we had fireworks at the start of the second half, and then it was like just a defensive slugfest. And then it turned into a soccer match. We were yeah. just punting, 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 punting. <laughs> exactly. And my thing was, I really – I don't have any rooting interest in the Rams. I don't have any rooting interest in the Bengals. It's, you know, some years, even if my team and my team hasn't been in it my entire life because I'm a Cowboys fan, but even some years, like there'll be the year that the the Eagles were in it. Yeah. I hate the Eagles. Okay. I have a rooting interest. I root on the other side. The the years that the Giants were in it. I hate the Giants. I root on the other side. A lot of times I had a rooting interest. My wife's a big Patriots fan. So every year they were in, I would root for the Patriots just so my wife would be happy. Happy wife, happy life. This year... 
I, I just literally, I had no skin in the game. I had no bets out. I had no nothing. I was watching it at my sister's after the gender reveal. We couldn't really hear the broadcast. It was on low. Everybody was talking. There were kids there playing, being mm-hmm. cute and adorable. So, I don't know. It just it sounds didn't like have... nightmare fuel for me. Is... I would lose it <laughs> dude, if that... I couldn't hear it. Dude, I'd have to grab the remote, bro. Turn it up. It's man. funny because my mom was the one holding the remote, and whenever it would go to commercial, she would turn it up. And then whenever it would go back to the game, she would turn it back down. Unbelievable. What? It wasn't my house. I mean, I, By the I was way, just I was so enjoying the uh, enjoying the, the camaraderie. The commercials were. Th- it's just not the same anymore. I will say it, it, the one commercial I really clocked all night. Yep. Kia Robot Dog. Okay. Yep. I told my wife, I said, we don't have to get a Kia and a robot dog, but we have to get a Kia or a robot dog because that commercial was elite. Yeah, that one was good. Uh, I also liked the one that was like the uh, cartoon. Like it had like uh, Peyton Manning and then it had the Eagles baby tackle pa- Peyton Manning. I get, I didn't see that one. I missed that was one. That it was like, like the, Walter the, Peyton and all these guys. Oh, is that it. where they come out of the TV? It was kind of like looked yeah. like they were playing a video game yeah. type thing. That was a good one too. I liked the the throwback Austin Powers, dude. That's hard to beat that one. Yeah, we brought the whole crew back together. I missed that one too. Austin, yeah. must what have do been you guys think about the uh, new Fresh Prince of Bel Air? That, that looks intriguing. It looks kind of like a drama. I'll watch. I definitely, I, definitely more drama filled than than the regular. show. I was a major Fresh Prince of Bel Air kid growing up. I had the entire DVD set box yep. set to watch all the seasons. I loved Nick at Fresh Night. Prince. So just. Just for nostalgia purposes, I'll watch this new one yeah. and see what it's all about. But it definitely seems like it's less comedy, more drama, the more good story. The thing about it is that Will Smith's producing it or directing it or is something he? like yeah. that. Yeah. yeah. So that'll be good. What about uh, Halftime Show last night? Scale, I liked it. Scale of 1 to 10. I, I thought it was really good. Okay, so we had this conversation last night. I thought that it was really good, but I wish that we could have heard more songs from each person. I think that that's, it kind of left you wanting more. Like, it, it, I love Kendrick. I love Eminem. I love Snoop and Dre. And, I mean, I can do with or without Mary J. Blige and 50 Cent, but who cares? But my whole well, point. Well, a few of those are older. They're a little, they're right. a little before our a time. A little before like, our time, but Snoop, we know. Snoop, Dre, this, yeah. Mary J. Blige, they're a little before our time, but we still heard their music right. and know their stuff. Right, and, and the whole point why they have 50 Cent, I mean, y'all got it, right? Because Tupac would have brought Biggie, and so they brought a guy from New York, right? Right. And so, anyway. Also, the 50 Cent jokes last night were funny. Oh, I mean, <laughs> Carson, Carson killed it. Carson said 50 Cent out there looking like a dollar bill. <laughs> and he, he was, was looking, he was he was like looking chunky. And somebody, with, uh, somebody else replied. Did you see somebody replied to it and said, yeah, inflation got him? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so. That's perfect. Uh, but, yeah, it was like – it was a, maybe probably the be, my favorite halftime show of all time. It's hard to say best ever. But the whole point of why it wasn't, like, perfect was because I just wanted to hear more. I'm like, you didn't play this song or this song or that song, right? Yeah, like, all we got from Kendrick was all right. Yeah, that's it. And, and I mean, you've got six artists. You only have so much time. Yeah. So, I knew that we weren't going to be getting multiple I songs from wish, any of the artists. I know, but I kind of wish, but, like – Maybe just do Snoop and Dre and then have Kendrick. Yeah. At a different time. Yeah. But I mean, when I, when are you going to have it in LA? I get it, but. Yeah. You know, I mean, it, it was cool, though. It was yeah. cool seeing all of those mega stars How about, out there at the set. Well, scale one to 10, though. Give me scale one to 10. I, I, give, it, I, give, it a, I give it a 10. See, I, I give it an eight because it was a lot of artists. There was a lot going on. I, I did. 10 is a lot. Yeah, but I, like, I give it an eight. But for that, it was a great performance. Like it, what they did was yeah, good. they were good. Tyler, thoughts? Halftime show? 
8.69. Kind of like you said. Uh, it could yeah. have, I don't know how it could have been much better, but, you know, whenever you only get, what was it, six artists you said in six, 27 yeah. minutes or whatever, it's hard to get hard, enough yeah, out. It's also, hard. Are, we, are we ranking best or favorite halftime show? It was my favorite just because I knew the songs, and I'm not out there asking who the hell's the who. Because I think my favorite was J-Lo and Shakira. Because hips don't lie. Oh, yeah. But then this one might have been the best. I also thought the weekend's halftime show yeah, was really good. Bruno Mars But these are all really recent. Too. Bruno Mars was really good. Justin uh, Timberlake, uh, Janet Jackson did. Yeah. yeah. By far, literally changed the history of television. Let's be honest. There haven't been a lot of bad halftime shows. A beautiful halftime show, T-Dub. <laughs> uh, <laughs> no, I mean, yeah, there, there haven't been that many bad ones. I do want to ask you guys a funny question. Now, the prop, or I mean, the set, it had a house and it had a back to the house. Now... Oh. If you're on the other side of the stadium, front row. You're watching on TV. You still can't see it. You're watching it on the screen. Up that, above. Sucks. Yep. <laughs> that sucks. Dude, first, that sucks. First row, 50-yard line, and you can't see Kendrick perform at all. Not at all. How about the old uh, Cincinnati kicker just chilling out there watching the right? show? Right, McPherson. That's perfect. That guy's so, a baller, Some dude. other guy, like, quote tweeted and was like, man, I should have been a kicker. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Well, it makes sense, you know, Colby, you know, I mean, we all go to football games, you see it, the kickers go out before anyone to punt and to yeah. kick and do all mm-hmm. that stuff. Well, they He's can't, just doing his job. Can't, can't practice that when there's a damn stage <laughs> in your way. Yeah, yeah, so he was just chilling. By the way, Evan McPherson nails. Made, oh, I mean, he was 14 to 14 in the playoffs? Yeah. Ridiculous. Several of those outside 50? Ridiculous. He uh, should have got a chance at another one. They messed up bad. Oh, Two. my. Okay, yes, so this is what I was texting y'all about last night, and I said it whenever you first walked in, Sam. Samaj P. Ryan was a monster in college. I'm not ripping Samaj P. Ryan. I know a lot of OU fans listen. But what is Zach Taylor, by the way, from Norman, Norman's finest, what is he doing bringing Samaj P. Ryan in on the most important plays of the game? P. Ryan was, P. Ryan was in on third and one and got the carry. Also, P. Ryan was split wide right on fourth and one. He ends up getting the target from Burrow as Donald's spinning him down. Why is Mixon off the field on the two biggest plays and P. Ryan's on? I could not make sense of it. It doesn't make sense, but... I don't think it would have changed the game. I still think the Rams... I think it might have. I think Mixon might have been able to pick up that third one. I I think Mixon is a back-end top 10 running back in the NFL. And P. Ryan's probably... 40th or 50th best running back in the NFL? I don't know. When, when we yeah. start ranking backup running backs, it's kind of subjective. But right. you've got a back-end top 10 running back in the NFL, and you take that guy off the field when you need a yard to get a first down and extend the drive, I'm and you take it out wrong. of Burrow's hands? I I was beside myself. Yeah. Whenever I saw it play out the I'm way, also how, wrong. How about the the Bengals twice, fourth and one, throwing it, not getting it throughout yeah. the game, first and the end. Yeah. I don't know. Something about throwing, something about going way wide on fourth and one, and then just trying to throw a short pass. Just, I did. I did really like the fourth and one where the Rams vacated the middle of the field, and Burrow was just like, eh, "I'll take that," and just yeah. scooted up the middle. Yeah. Uh, the two more uh, things I had about halftime: Snoop did not smoke during the halftime show. He smoked what right a, before, what but he didn't do it right. During, he which spoke, was the bet. He, you saw the video of the him video before, of him though. Before, yeah. yeah, yeah. He was he was like on the stairs waiting to go out. He was like puff, 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 yeah. puff, and yeah. then he like put it down. But yes, he did not smoke during, so that prop bet missed. That prop bet hit if he said no, right? And then right. and then uh, Eminem hair color. He just went out and did basically the Eminem thing of all Eminem things and just put a hood on and hat and hoodie. Hat. Yeah. yeah, and said screw all y'all. Yeah, hat and hoodie. Nobody knows what color his hair was. <laughs> By the way. I feel some sort of indication. Brooks Kepka is in contention. Boys, I've already told you he's not winning until he changes that hair back. <laughs> You're right. So far, you you know why he bogeyed 16 instead of birdie? It's because that hair. Yeah. I How can't. about this? How about this? So Reagan doesn't know Eminem from anybody, right? Okay. She's a country music girl. Okay. So she goes, man, Eminem's kind of hot. 
and and she and I go, well, I thought you were just talking about how Brooks Kepka is not as hot with the blonde hair. <laughs> Eminem made that famous, and she's like, I don't care, he's hot now. <laughs> he's also almost fifty now. Yeah, I know, it's crazy. Well, but anyway, Reagan is not in favor of the blonde hair, but thinks Eminem's hot. So. She doesn't like the Kepka blonde hair. Yeah. Okay. Good. How in the world? I don't Kepka- think anybody really does. I, I I don't know anyone does. Maybe Jenna does. I'm not sure. I just can't believe watching this yesterday that Kepka only lost by one. I mean, he played so bad. His putter was so bad. His yeah. leg putting was ridiculous. Didn't, I don't know how he only lost Didn't by he one. finish? Didn't he birdie three out of the last four, though? Yeah, but yeah. it's 15 and 17. How about this, yeah. though? But, I mean, uh, a bunch of guys weren't birdie well, bogeyed, bogeyed 16. Yeah. Ke- and bogeyed almost, 10. Kepka almost screwed the gall out of a bunch of money on 18 by making that putt, adding another guy to the 15 unders, yeah. right? And then Degala, you know, had to make what? A 14-footer for uh par on 18. It was a nice putt cuz that's probably a $200,000 putt. At least. 10, feet four, 10 feet 4 inches. 10 feet 4 inches? 10 feet 10 feet 4 inches. range that no one was making. Is there it? any number on that? Like can we find a number on that on how much that 14-footer from Thigala was worth? Uh, I'm sure we can find it. Let's do this. Let's take a break. We'll do the math on it. We'll yep. come back on the other side. We'll tell you how much money Thigala made by making the 10-footer on 18. We'll talk college golf. We'll, uh, we got to talk about Charlie Hoffman. We'll talk about Charlie Hoffman. Absolutely. Yes, what he said about the tour and kind of some of the response from other players uh, and from, from analysts. We'll get into all that and much, much more. Stay with us here on the award-winning 73rd hole, the official podcast of Golf Oklahoma. When something the size of a golf ball hits your roof, you need to call McRae Roofing. McRae Roofing is Oklahoma's designer roofing service specialist. For years, Jeff McRae and the experienced team at McRae Roofing and Exteriors have served fellow Oklahomans by helping them with their roofing needs. McRae Roofing uses only top quality materials and professional crews to make sure that each job is done right so it will give you the years of service, security, and protection you need from the unpredictable Oklahoma weather. McRae Roofing offers residential and commercial roofing, ventilation services, and custom copper designs. McRae Roofing is dedicated to exceeding the homeowner's expectations. It's not just a roof, it is your home's crowning glory. Call McRae Roofing today at 405-692-4000. That's 405-692-4000. Make sure to also visit their website at McRaeRoofing.com. That's M-C-R-A-Y Roofing.com. Don't get caught with a leaking roof. Contact McRae Roofing for your free inspection today. We are back rolling along here on the 73rd hole. Follow us on Twitter, the 73rd hole, Instagram, 73rd hole. Make sure you go check out our good partners, golfoklahoma.org. Before we get into the college golf, we did the math in the break, and roughly about 150 k is what that putt was worth Oof. for Sahith Thigala on number 18. It's pretty clutch. It's a big-time 10-footer. Later on in the night, just, you know, finally thinking about it for the first time, and then you're like, man... Yeah, that last putt was also worth 150k if you miss. Also so mentally, made it. also yeah. just mentally. I mean, yeah. he's teeing it up at Riv this week. Mentally, I think he feels a lot better rolling in that 10 footer for par at 18. Because you finish bogey bogey on those two easy holes, right. you're not sleeping quite as easy. And the Gala is one of those guys too that I wanted to mention. I didn't mention earlier. He's he was kind of a can't miss guy out of college, right? He was one of those you know big time stars. I remember he won one tournament out in Hawaii that I played in. Played at Pepperdine, obviously. He was big time, and 
you're going to start hearing a lot more of his name. Yeah, you know, I mean, he, he wasn't. He's not just some random guy that just hopped on the scene. Yeah, I mean, as we kind of parlay this conversation into college golf, he was on Pepperdine's team two years ago that was the favorite to win the national yep. title, and then COVID shut the season down. He decided not to come back. He decided to go to the Corn Ferry Tour, start playing professionally. That Pepperdine team lost Sahith Tigala and then, and then won, won the, the national, national championship, championship the next yeah. year. That's how loaded they were that spring of 2020 season whenever they were just ridiculous. But uh, college golf in this state, Oklahoma and Oklahoma State getting after it. Oklahoma State men at the Star Gators Invitational. That one wrapped up over the weekend. Oklahoma State finished second. The only team that beat them? the host of the tournament. The Florida Gators at their home course uh, beat Oklahoma State by 12 shots. So another good finish. Eugenio Chikara, third place after winning down in Hawaii. So a good start for Chikara as PGA Tour U will start to take shape this spring. So another good performance from the Oklahoma State men and from Chikara. Yeah, and so, you know, I know me and Sam talked about this on the last show too. You know, Sahith won the Ben Hogan Award too, just going back to your point. of, I mean, Victor Hovland, John Rahm, yeah. uh, some of those other guys that won at Patrick Cantlay. So very an elite category there. Going back to OSU, you know, I made this point a couple shows ago, and I don't think it really came off as well, so I'll try to reemphasize it better. I was talking about how when when teams, especially early in the year, can just get on such a roll and just keep on winning. And, you know, the way I made it sound like was like, you know how people say when you're in a scramble or something that, like, you know, you made a putt, or you're in a practice round, you make a lot of putts. Don't, the, don't burn them. Yeah, don't burn them. Yeah. yeah. It's like, it's not like that for, for college golf. But, you know, a point I, I made was that my – it would have been freshman year, or it been uh, fall semester of my junior year, and we played like eight tournaments, and we won, I think, six of them going into our national tournament. And every single one of us played horribly at nationals. Every one of us. And, you know, that's the point. I was, you know, There's nothing you can really do about it, but being able to make sure that you don't ha- just peak so early in the year, then, like you said, you kind of fizzle out, not from any reason or anything, just from – you know, it just happens. So that was the point I was trying to make about OSU is that, you know, obviously you go out and win every tournament you play, but let's just hope they don't – you know, Garrett Rebound's a good example happened to him last year for OU. It's like, mm-hmm. you know, you can, your game can fall apart at any point. So, yeah. you know, I just hope that, that – is because the worst-case scenario is that everyone on OSU's top five plays so good going up into, like, regionals, and then, like, two or three players just completely lose their game. Because in theory, you say, okay, well, we have backups that we can throw out there. We don't want to throw a guy in their first term of the semester at freaking nationals. That's not very fun. So it's like if someone is going to start, you know, kind of losing a little bit of their form, need to be towards the middle of the year. That's kind of the point I was trying to make. Another thing about OSU is they have firepower. Now, looking at just these scores from this tournament, obviously Eugenio lopez Jacara every single round in the 60s, as well as Rayon Thomas, right? Uh, and then you go to Brian Stark, 69-67 to finish off the tournament. Bo Jin had a 67 in this tournament. Rasmus Niergaard peterson 66 in this tournament. They have some super firepower where they could just blow away a field in one round. Well, and if Bo Jin can get back to the level he was playing at when we saw him last year at Prairie Dunes and the level he played at at Greyhawk whenever he nearly won the individual uh, medalist at Greyhawk, yep. I mean, if Bo Jin can get back to that level, that takes this team to another level because he he slumped a little bit in the fall, and I, I don't believe he wasn't at that tournament in Hawaii no. either. So if he can get back to the level he was at last year, that'd be big time. T-Dub, do you know the rule on redshirting now? Because I'm curious on Jordan Wilson. I saw that from Edmund North, Jordan Wilson, I saw that he played as an individual in this tournament, shot 73, 70, 72, finished 38. Now, it is... 
is he just not redshirting, or are you allowed to play as an individual now and redshirt? I don't know how the rules have changed since I got out of college. If if they did, because you know they they changed the NCAA football rule where you can play yeah. four games or whatever. I have no idea if that goes into college golf. And then the other element is, you know, we had the COVID year, which gave everyone an extra year. So who knows how much that has to play in yeah. all this? I have no idea. So we're talking about a gray area, guys. I'm not even sure the NCAA knows how to count scholarships right now, <laughs> yeah. let alone us. I was. It's funny that we talk about this because me and Carson on the pistol firing pod we were talking about eligibility because Isaac Likely has been the point guard at Oklahoma State for like a decade and then the other day somebody was like he could get another year of eligibility and I'm like how is eligibility working these days COVID screwed it all up because now I have no way of tracking it no way of tracking it or doing the math by the way I'm still taking applications if anyone wants to accept me for my seventh year of eligibility (laughs) seventh I think I think a team's got a push cart ready for you and everything for your first time here's the deal personalized push carts only here's the only contract thing that I would set up is I don't ever go to class someone goes to class (laughs) for me I ride in a golf cart okay I don't ever I don't live with the team or ever really even talk to them <laughs> and and I play in the tournament and I go home you don't want to be that's friends it. with that's your all, teammates that's all I want I only want like three or four things I mean that's a pretty good sell I, I mean how could a coach turn that down yeah you want to be on scholarship too? I mean I got I yeah, got you, you, you want to be on scholarship I, I don't need a scholarship that's true what you're do not I need a scholarship class. for you're not going to class you're do, not living do, on campus do you require a built-in NIL deal before you sign yeah <laughs> yeah, we, we we also need an NIL deal. Um, Dr. Dre? Yeah, g- give me some beats. G- yep. give, me, give me sponsored by Dr. Dre. And I'll well, you'll it. have to go play golf at USC if you want to be sponsored by beats. No, that's fine. Golf at USC for Lincoln Riley. For Lincoln Riley. Yeah. Lincoln Riley's going to coach the golf team, too. I'm still going to live in Oklahoma. I'll just fly, fly to wherever Perfect. the tournaments are. Perfect. And those flights will be paid for by the university. Correct. Uh, speaking of flying to tournaments, the Oklahoma Sooners in Puerto Rico right now playing in the... Second round. They're in the second round of this tournament. Chris Goderup currently leads as an individual. Chris Goderup leads by three shots as an individual because he is getting after it. Eight under par today, Chris Goderup. That is some big-time golf. Let's look here. I'm seeing eight birdies, no bogeys. So he's done for the day at eight under par. That is a 64. Patrick Welch shot 62 in the first round, uh, which was obviously an unbelievable score. And then he's currently T3 in the field, one under in his second round. Golly. So he's 11 under overall. Goderup's 14 under overall, uh, leads by two. Is, is this is, course easy? Is, is golf it? easier than it used to be? That's what I was about yeah. to ask. Like, everyone's shooting uh, 62 nowadays. I mean, like, what in the world? I don't know if I've ever seen as low a scores in college golf as I've seen the last couple of weeks. You want me to just throw out a guess? So they're playing in Puerto Rico. A lot of these courses, I think we see this from time to time on, on the big tour with opposite field events. A lot of these courses are designed to be protected by wind. And uh-huh. if the wind doesn't blow, they play mega, mega easy. Maybe they got down there and the wind maybe. doesn't blow, or maybe they're just that good. But like I've always said, 62 is good from the tips, but, you know, it's still good from the burples. Yeah, right. Like, for example, if everyone plays the same course, that's all that matters. It's still good from the front fringe. Stephen Campbell Jr., he is one under par for the tournament for Oklahoma. Mm -hmm. That puts him T55 in the field at one under par. And, I mean, a way to look at this, too, is like the – the second to last team is 11 under total. So I think it's a little bit of both. Obviously, Georgia's at 41 under currently. OU's at 38 under. So they're kind of running away with it. But I think it's a little bit of both, as you're seeing. The, the great teams are kind of separating themselves. But at the end of the day, if... The number it, one player's in first. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Chris Goderup's an unbelievable player. Chris Goderup versus Eugenio Chikara is the match play that we all need to yes, determine the national title. 
I mean, and can, Logan McAllister versus Stark again. Yes, McAllister versus Stark and Goddard up versus Chikara. Yep, that's what we need at Greyhawk. Absolutely. Oh, that'd be. Why, big why is it the last few years we've been so close to a, a Bedlam matchup in the Nationals and we just haven't got it? Uh, I mean, it's, car- it's we're, hard. We're close every year, but it's just the match play element of it. Also, I think there's somewhat this like. In the back of their minds, it's like, oh, man, if we get through this one, we get Bedlam, and then one team chokes it off, and one of them doesn't make it. We did get Bedlam at the Eastlake Cup, which Oklahoma won. Choke. No, 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 not choke it off. That's, yeah. that's not what I meant. I just meant, like, if we, it's all this buildup to hopefully get Bedlam, and yeah. then one team just, you know, make it. just loses so, an extra match. But we got it at the Eastlake Cup. So here's a question. Do you think that it would have happened by now if teams didn't look at the bracket? Like, they didn't know who they were going to play nah, next? I don't think it has eh. anything to do with it. Yeah, maybe I think not it, I think it does. I don't know. It I think could. it does. I, I don't, I don't, I'm not saying kids are in their head thinking, oh, my God, if I miss this, I'm not going to play in Bedlam or anything like that. But I, I do think it's, I mean, it's human instinct to look and see what who your next match is going to be against. Yeah, yeah but, but, but in, when your current match is against, you know, Arizona State or Pepperdine or someone like that, I mean, it's just, it's hard. Well, also, it's sometimes it's just the way the bracket breaks out. Like, Pepperdine was a juggernaut last year. And, I mean, it wound up where Oklahoma State had to play him in the semis. That's just kind of I part mean, of it. Highsmith hits that shot on 18, and that's and all she wrote. It's also underrated how many times OU and OSU have both made match play. It's not that easy to do. Yeah. Top eight? Yeah. <laughs> I mean, and they, and they've done it a bunch recently. Yeah. I mean, Hibble and Bratton have really got it rolling. Uh, I mean, we forget, then, guys, OU was dangerously close to not making it last year from the regional. Yes. Yes. Yes, got off to a terrible start at the regional and had to really rally to get there, and then they end up almost taking down Pepperdine yep. to win the national title. Uh, on the other side, I mean, Oklahoma State, women, they just tee it up and go win golf tournaments. Uh, right now, they're T1 in the third round. They're about halfway through uh, the back nine. But Isabel Fierro leads as an individual. They've got two other players inside the top 10, uh, and even their four bag is inside the top 20. Oklahoma State women are kind of looking like a juggernaut, and the, I mean, to me, kind of the clear favorite to win the national title. They won every tournament they played in in the fall. They're T1 right now in the first tournament of the spring. Reminded me of UConn basketball. Yeah, let's do it. Let's get a dynasty rolling I mean, for Coach Robertson. Di- yeah, just perfect timing for Layla Powell. By the way, Coach, we are just under seven weeks away <laughs> from the next future cowgirl making her way into the world. I mean, we are at the point to where we give like 12-year-old scholarships now. I mean, is it too early right out of the womb to give a scholarship? I don't um, think so. Right out of the womb might be a little bit early. Let's let her get into, you know, preschool, kindergarten. Let's let her and see how in, she's striping it. Fit into the fit into the onesie. Yeah, she's got to at least be able to fit into the master's onesie, which, <laughs> which will be next 12 year. months. And by the way, we found out yesterday, the gender reveal we were at was my sister's. We found out we're having a niece. She'll be uh, about four months apart from our daughter, and they live about a mile away from us, so... Perfect win-win for everybody. Yeah. It was a good day. Is that good like day. you yesterday, win-win? You know, got to watch the Super Bowl with your family and gender reveal? I mean, that's a win-win, Colby. Win-win. <laughs> win-win. <laughs> win-win. Uh, he knows trying to get Colby in trouble. Taylor, you don't want to talk about Charlie Hoffman, do you? Oh, man. God dang. I don't know where to start. Here's how we need start. to start it. Is it's so confusing if you don't know what's going on that we need Colby to set the scene of everything that happened with Charlie Hoffman. Also because it's evolved. Right. And now he's backpedaling. But start from the beginning. And, and I want to point out, I think he finished DFL of people that he made did. the cut. He made the cut, finished, <laughs> made the cut, finished DFL. So let's give we'll the, get into that. Let's give the 30,000-foot overview right. of what happened with Charlie Hoffman. He's playing at the Waste Management Phoenix Open. He hits in the water. He takes a drop. On 17. Yeah, 17. He takes a drop. He's waiting. I thought to, it was on 13. Or was, was it on 13? It was on, it was on the par 5. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was yeah, on 13. It was on 13. What am I saying? So he takes a drop. 
And ball comes to rest. He's getting ready to hit his next shot. As he's getting ready to hit his next shot, his ball, which he has dropped and is in play, rolls out of the drop zone into the water. He takes another penalty stroke because that ball was in play, drops again, hits his shot. Obviously, not a great situation. He's going to be frustrated. I totally understand the frustration. He hops on Instagram that night. He posts this big, long post about how this is ridiculous. There's no protection for the players. No, And he says in his post, no wonder guys are looking to jump to another league. Sorry, Jay, but something has to be done. Jay Monahan, PGA Tour commissioner. He then tags PGA Tour, DP World Tour, uh, Jay Monahan. All these tagged like 10 different people and places. So then... Uh, Phil Mickelson comments on it and Bryson DeChambeau comments on it. Two guys heavily rumored to be going to, to play for the Saudis. Um, they both comment on it and they're just like, couldn't have said it better myself and agreed is what they said. So then Charlie Hoffman gets asked about it the next day and, and throughout the weekend, he gets asked about it and Charlie Hoffman kind of starts to backpedal a little bit. Charlie Hoffman said, Quote, Hold did you have something to add? Be, be, before that, before uh, no, you read okay, the I might Charlie Hoffman. Go ahead. Yeah, go ahead. so then Brandel Chambly came yep, out. Yep, And this will kind of mirror a lot of people's thoughts on his Instagram post, right? On Charlie Hoffman's Instagram post. And I'll just read this. It's a five-part five tweet it, it's from worth Brandel it Chambly. It's worth it. He said, just read Charlie Hoffman's IG post where he ripped the USGA and the PGA Tour for a perceived oversight in a rule and the golf course set up this week. He accused the tour of not protecting the players and having no transparency and said, you wonder why these guys are wanting to jump ship. That's what Colby just explained. So then Randall goes on to say, no protection for the players? Really? They've, they have sponsors exemptions for players struggling, top 50 and top 25 career money list safety nets. They also have corn ferry tour players that can work their way back into form while they're still paying the bills. They have an unmatched pension fund to, to look out for the players as they age. They have a senior tour that allows them to grow old and still be relevant. The, the tour could not possibly look out for their players any more than what they are doing right now. If the players speak out against the tour, they don't cut them, they don't cut them up with a bone saw. And he's talking about Saudi Arabia, obviously. And he goes, as for transparency, I'll take the PGA tour over Saudi Arabia, over Saudi Arabia and the MBS when it comes to that issue. And the only reason why some players are wanting to jump ship, such as Charlie's San Diego friend, Phil Mickelson is for money or to use Phil's phrase, obnoxious greed, and then he and then he posts the Phil Mickelson statements inaccurate and ironic article from Golf Channel that's basically talking about Phil's insider trading. Okay, so before we give our, our thoughts, let's continue because Charlie Hoffman was asked about it and Charlie Hoffman then followed up whenever speaking right. to reporters over the weekend. He did make the cut at Waste Management, like we mentioned, finished DFL of those who made the cut. Uh, so Charlie Hoffman asked about it. He said, it's never crossed my mind to go over and play for a competitor ever. And if it came across in that Instagram post that I have been reached by them. I have not been reached by them. It came across wrong. He says, then I added that so the media would catch it. So I would prove my point on the rules side. Um, he goes on to say here, uh, well, no, this is like some Ken Tackett stuff here. I'm trying to make sure 
Uh, so here he goes talking about Jay Monahan. Charlie Hoffman says, I have a great relationship with Jay, and I have nothing but admiration about what Jay does for this tour and how hard he works. So it was a sorry, Jay, because I know what he's doing. This isn't an easy time for the PGA Tour. That's why I said we need to do better. We as player directors, as executive directors, commissioners, everybody, we need to do better to make sure we keep everybody here in the U.S. And then the last one here, he said, I think the PGA Tour works really good, but we have a threat. I mean, that's real. You can't hide under a rock and say it's not. So, he's not lying that Saudi Arabia hasn't reached out to him. Why the hell would Saudi Arabia want Charlie <laughs> Hoffman anyways? Charlie Hoffman? Are you kidding me? They're not going after Charlie Hoffman. They're going after Bryson DeChambeau and Victor Hovland and Phil Mickelson. Sam, not Charlie Hoffman. Sam, somebody's got to finish T57. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So, and then the other thing is, the obvious thing about this whole situation that people don't realize is that... Charlie Hoffman says there's no protection for the players. Charlie Hoffman is on the player advisory council for Char the tour. Char Charlie Hoffman is a player director for the player advisory of council. The player advisory council, which is one of the highest positions that you can hold as a player in terms of having influence and a voice over what happens on the tour and a voice on the tour. Taylor, your thoughts on the Charlie Hoffman situation as we saw it evolve over the course of like four days? You know what? I'm watching this and I'm thinking to myself, it's like. It would have been like if, if when Sam's cox line got cut by the Bobcat tractor, <laughs> okay. if he would have said, I'm moving out of Oklahoma because I hate the politics that are going on in the state. It's like, they're not <laughs> related good. at all. How the, like the, how, the the, how the hell do the rules have anything to do with Saudi Arabia? Are they just going to play entirely different rules over there? So that's what, that's what I thought. I'm like, yeah. in Saudi Arabia, if you drop in a drop zone and your ball's in play and then it rolls in the water, are you not going to get penalized? Like, are they I, using different rules of golf over there? Maybe they are. Here's what's going to happen. If you throw a big enough fit to the rules official, it'll let you do whatever you want in Saudi. So, that's, what it, that's the way I interpreted it. Here, here's my thing. And, if you and, cheat, they cut you with a bone saw. And yeah. Sam and I were talking about this before we came on. I'm like, you know, guys are going to go play for the Saudis. You want to go play for the Saudis, you go play for the Saudis. But we know that it's about the money. Yeah. And when you try to convince us that it's about something other than the money, then it comes off as disingenuous. And for Charlie Hoffman, it very much came off as sour grapes because he had to take a penalty. And it was just a weird messenger. And it was a weird <laughs> message. I, I don't know. Again, he said that he wanted to draw attention to the rules thing. So he just chucked the Saudi deal in there. That's with, with how volatile everything has been with the Saudi tour. I think he misjudged what the reaction was going to be to him just flippantly tossing that in there when we're talking about a rule, a, yeah. a drop rule. Like, there's a better way to have a conversation about the rules of golf than be like, yeah, no wonder Bryson wants to go accept $80 billion gazillion dollars to go play in Saudi Arabia. Like you said, Taylor, the two aren't related. Exactly. And my whole point about this whole thing is I, I've talked about how if I were a player, I might go to Saudi for all that money. I'm not going to be Charlie Hoff I'm not going to go over to Saudi Arabia if I'm Charlie Hoffman and I'm getting freaking popcorn and some chips, right? I, I'm not going to go over there and it, just because I'm mad at the PGA Tour. But because it what, be are, what are they going to pay Charlie exactly. Hoffman? His career earnings on the PGA Tour are $32 million. I don't know what he'd make in Saudi Arabia. I have no idea. But his, I don't his know. Career earnings on the PGA Tour thirty-one million. Uh, pardon me, thirty-two million. You add in what he made this week, it'd be like thirty-two million fifteen thousand. My point is because, my, <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> my, my point here is I'm agreeing with Colby that you can't convince us that it's not all about money. I think that I, I I'm excited to see what Saudi Arabia does and it, and if they you know, have some great players over there and maybe it's a success, maybe it's not. 
that has nothing to do with my thoughts on Charlie Hoffman or bashing the PGA Tour because even if Saudi Arabia is a success, it's not because the PGA Tour is not a success, right? It's that they don't have the funds to compete with the Saudi Arabians. So the whole deal is, you're right, the messenger. The messenger, it's Charlie Hoffman. I can't get over it. They don't want your ass anyways. And, you know, the thing that, the thing that bothers me about this, guys, is that what he said was actually made somewhat of a point in the sense of golf is ruled by amateur bodies. I don't know why the hell that relates to going to play so- golf in Saudi Arabia, yeah. but somehow it does. He ruined a good point, kind and, of. Yeah, yes, he could have made such a good point. He could have made such a good point about how professional golfers on the PGA Tour need to take a look at the rules and determine what's best and what's most equitable for everyone out there. He could have made a really good point, and instead trying to draw attention to his point by throwing out the Saudi stuff, he totally took all the attention away from the point he was trying to make and made it totally about something else. Well, and, and you know, here's the here's the thing, too, is that he said that he thought they changed the rule. What he's talking about is the old Billy Horschel rule. And so the difference is if you mark your ball on the green and then yep. pick it up, you replace the ball back. Any, any other circumstance, wherever the ball rolls, you have to play it from there. And so I think the argument there is, we talk about it all the time, guys, why do golf rules need to be this damn complicated? Yeah. Like, like when the best players They're in the world don't know what's going on, that that's when you know that it's that something's wrong. Right, exactly. And the whole DJ situation is after they change, or the whole reason why they changed the rule is because of the DJ situation where the ball rolled back toward his putter, and so now they say if the ball gets blown by the wind, you play it from where it went to. And so then if you did that not on the green, like or you replaced it back not on the green, right, it, it would be – just so confusing and you can't tell from 400 yards away you know where your whether your ball has moved a slight bit do you see what i'm saying yes yes what does charlie hoffman want the rule to be changed to is my point well and also there is a certain amount does it suck that charlie hoffman's ball rolled back in the water yes Yes. it does i feel for him that that is a a tough situation when you're in a tour event trying to make the cut doing all these things that's a that's could it have been a bad drop zone even that's yes yes yes. it could have been a bad drop zone and and we could be taking more of a look at that if he hadn't made it about something else. I, but I just do you think, think the guy that was making but, the drop zone is like, man, I'm trying to screw over all these guys that are going to Saudi. Right. But, but again, <laughs> no. my, yeah, my point is only people make, in Saudi will hit it in the damn water. My, yeah. my point that I was going to make is, yes, that's a tough situation to find yourself in, but there is a certain amount of player and caddy responsibility exactly. to make sure that you're taking a good drop and setting yourself up in a position. As, the rules of golf allow you multiple options of correct. where to drop and what to do. And yes, that sucks that that happened to Charlie Hoffman, but I think it would be a little bit operating in bad faith to not acknowledge that there's a certain element of caddy player Correct. responsibility to put and, themselves in a better position. And here's there. what you're talking about. Like Brandel pointed out, he could have gone 50 yards back and had a very nice drop. Okay. And where it's not going to roll in the water. Now, if you want to drop up close, like where he tried to drop or, you know, from the knee, right. And, and it rolls back in the water. That's a risk. If you want to drop up closer, it's a risk because there's a chance that that ball could, you know, come to rest and then start rolling back into the water. Why not just go 50 yards back and make sure that that doesn't happen? That's on Charlie Hoffman. That's not on the PGA Tour. It has nothing to do with the PGA Tour. And my whole thing about this, too, is that this just sparks a a big feud that that isn't getting anything done in the sense of, 
literally every person, and I didn't scroll much on Twitter looking at this, but everything that I saw is people just coming out and defending the tour about about what he said. Oh, the tour's the best. Oh, the, the pension fund, all this, it's the best. It's like people aren't wanting to leave your tour because it's the best. Like if it was like people want to talk about its money or whatever. Shambly saying it's obnoxious greed. If Shambly was still good enough to play golf, he'd be in Saudi in a heartbeat if they're paying in the money that they're talking right, about. Right, but what and I will say, again, what if I guys say, want to take the money, take the money. But we we know it's about the okay, money. But what I will say, yeah, it, it's I still think that regardless of how good Saudi does, the PGA Tour will always be the better tour. But guys will leave for the money. They're not leaving because they're mad at the PGA Tour. They might say that they're mad, but I think that's a smokescreen for just them wanting more money. And it's, you know, it, and I do think there will be some people, like let's say you have, like Phil Mickelson or whatever, he might have 20 qualms wrong with the PGA Tour. Well, how many of those would need to be fixed before he actually said, you know what, I'm going to stay here? May, may fix all 20 of them. He doesn't care. He's going to go collect the money. I do think there are some people, though, who – We'll see a few things wrong with the tour and say, well, if they fix four or five of these things, I might be more tempted to stay. And no one can look at those things because they just have to defend the PGA Tour against the Saudis. And it's like, why don't you just look at what you're doing wrong and try to be better instead of just saying that everything's great? I I do think, look, everything's not perfect. And I do think that competition helps you fight off complacency. I think that there's a chance that maybe the tour has gotten a little bit complacent because they haven't had any competition and they just go on yeah. and they go about their business. And maybe this will make the PGA Tour better and make them look at some things. Um, but yeah, I don't know. It's just also the week that Charlie Hoffman did this, the Waste Management Week, when 700,000 people come through throughout the week and yeah. it's this crazy golf event to juxtapose what we just had at the Waste Management against the 38 people who were in attendance two weeks ago at the Saudi International to watch Harold Varno cash a 92-foot walk-off. It it was just, the timing was just so poor for it because everybody is so geeked about how great the Waste Management was this week. And we literally just had a tournament in Saudi Arabia where if you were there on property at any moment for any player, you could walk right up to the rope and get very close to them and see them because attendance was remarkably low. Here's the thing you got to remember is that the... The Saudi Super League could play in the U.S. It's correct. Saudi backed. Correct. It's Saudi backed. Yes. Now, so they could have big, big crowds in the future. And we a, don't know. anywhere else in the world too, for right. that matter. Exactly. Yeah. So, so because it's going to be part I, of the Asia Tour, correct? Uh, that's that's no, what it's with it's now. now. Well, the logistics. Now, okay. That's what it, it's it with doesn't now. matter. It doesn't matter. The logistics are a nightmare, but we'll figure that out when it happens. Right. It, but anyways, so my point here is, the other question I want to ask is, what does the director of the player advisory council do so does he not have a voice right it like can he not go straight to jay monahan and complain about this instead of posting it on instagram because he's so butthurt about a bad drop it, well, it, it came off as sour grapes well, it's like you sure. said saying okay anytime you complain about something you have to say okay well how would i want this to be different what, what do you want to change do you want to change the rule because i mean i don't how are you going to change that rule though because you have to go past the PGA Tour at that point because the PGA Tour basically just follows USGA rules, with the exception of, like, green reading books and all that stuff. So I, I, there's just such a better way to handle this problem. I don't – I truly, it's just like you're – you're talking about apples to oranges. That's exactly what this was. And yeah. there's actually a problem to be had. Yeah, there are amateurs governing rules of golf. There's – I mean, you look at even college basketball. They have a different three than professional basketball. Like, there's a yeah. reason for that. Your, your metaphor about the whole Cox light was perfect. I mean, it is. It's yeah. like it's like he's mad that he got a bad drop. 
Go after the rules official that made the drop zone. Don't go after the PGA Tour because they say that that's why people want to leave. That's not why people want to leave. It'd be like if the Rams said, well, T. Higgins threw Jalen Ramsey down by his face mask on that touchdown, so we're cutting our punter. Yeah, <laughs> yeah exactly. What? What? <laughs> All right. That's why we moved out of St. Louis. Yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah. yeah, that's why we moved to L.A., because the officials won't call t- face mask on T. Higgins. <laughs> uh, good stuff. Good stuff. We'll see if Oklahoma can – let's see. This might be over, actually. Actually, well, um, it goes to it goes tomorrow. Too. Okay, tomorrow. So Oklahoma is behind by four shots, four shots behind Georgia, headed into the final round. That's a couple of big golf programs, Oklahoma and Georgia, getting after it. Y'all got any big Valentine's Day plans, guys? Today is Valentine's Day. Y'all Today tra- is treating Valentine's the, Day. Treating the misses with a little uh, little chocolate, little teddy bears. Yeah, I need to go uh, get some flowers. My after plan. This. I, yep. You know, I. I told her I had a big surprise, but I got to figure one out. You're like uh, Michael Scott now. <laughs> I do. I have one. Yeah. I have one. I just haven't. It's a surprise to me, too. Yeah. <laughs> so I'm going to go get flowers this afternoon. <laughs> bring the flowers home. I'll probably get some flowers and a Reese's <laughs> and be, maybe a little teddy bear. To be fair. And then I'm going to cook tonight. That's nice. See, that's big time. I can't cook. We went out to dinner on Friday because I have a game tonight. So we're not doing uh, okay. the whole dinner yep. thing. So we did it early. But I'm saying, like, I told her I had an actual plan for Valentine's Day Day, which is today. And so, you know, we're going to figure it out. We're going to figure it out. Tyler, you? I did most of my stuff last night. Okay. So, yeah, Mrs. working today, and so I'll Interesting be busy, thing. Too, So, yeah, uh, I had to... Had to mix it all around a little bit. Did the same thing, cook, because I I might be a little better cook than Colby. We'll have to put our skills to the well, test I mean, on that you, one. I don't know, because I've been cooking a lot lately. But well, you T-Dub got the grill. T-Dub grew up by it. True. True. It's tough. But but, but, Kim, but Kim Powell's a good cook herself. Oh, yeah. Well, oh, and yeah. Here's, here's the other thing Reagan said. She goes, I was at Walgreens, and this guy was in there, and he's like, uh, he's like, ma'am, are you sure there's no extra Valentine's Day cards in the back? And and she's like, no. What what's out is out. And he's like, she's like, sorry, we're all sold out. And he's like, man. And Reagan gets home. She's like, man, th- I saw this desperate guy in Walgreens wanting a Valentine's Day card. And you know, she's like, they're all sold out. And I'm thinking in my head, damn it, where am I going to go get this card? <laughs> now you have to go further. Yeah, you have to go find a target. You have to go find a target. Could or you Walmart. imagine waiting that long to get for that guy? I can't believe that guy would do that. Right, wait that long until yeah. the last minute for a Valentine's Day card. How much do y'all think flower shops mark up their prices on Valentine's? That's Day? a good question. I mean, it's definitely a peak flower day. Yeah. So best flower day, twenty percent. Uh, the peak. I mean, what other day would be up there? Um, like the Rose Bowl parade, but the, like not here. Yeah, not here. That's. Yeah, uh, I mean Valentine's Day is really yeah. it. Valentine's, Mother's Day, uh, weddings, Mother's Day, Mother's one. Day. Well, but weddings aren't universal. Well, Talking I mean, about they like a universal a, day. They happen every week. Yeah, true. Th- th- that, but that that spreads out the wealth. You know, it's like everyone's getting flowers on Valentine's. Yeah, Day. there's one Valentine's Day. Even if you, you think have, they make more more money on Valentine's Day or weddings, have to be weddings. Weddings for the year uh, probably depends on. I the don't store. know. For the whole year, I would think yeah. that they make more off weddings, but I don't think there's any single calendar day. Where weddings make more than Valentine's Day. Should I just get her some azaleas? Yes. I don't know. I don't know the yeah. difference. Or yeah, azaleas. Oh yeah, like, Masters. Masters. Yeah, Come Masters. On. Sergio Garcia's daughter's name. Play yeah. the. You gotta play the Masters music too while you put the azaleas down. Yeah, that's the way to go. Oh, just, I should have. Sam, you should plant some azaleas in the backyard. I think you I should. should do. Yeah, I'll have Colby do it. There you go. Colby, Colby, <laughs> is, Colby is a yard. Colby's a yard, yard guy. Yard, yardscaping in dude. My yard's still torn up. From what? They came through and tore it up and to install some. Uh, Fiber oh, yeah. optic. Yeah. Yeah. Hey, you now got fiber optic now? Torn up. You got that internet? They say it's fast. No, I don't have fiber optic. <laughs> <laughs> they, they, I, I think we have access to fiber optic, but we haven't switched yet. Our internet's pretty good, but at some point we'll probably switch to fiber. 
long, long as they don't cut it with the Bobcat tractor. Don't good. cut it with the Bobcat tractor. All right. <laughs> that's all for today. We got Riviera this week. We do have How about Riv. going from waste management, Super Bowl, and then parlay that straight into Riv? That's a couple of great weeks of golf. We'll get into all that and much more later in the week. We'll let you know how the Oklahoma men finish up as well as the Oklahoma State women. Oh, yeah, go ahead. I just want to say here, for all our Charlie Hoffman fans out there, finish DFL, you make $17,302. Boom. Nice. PJ Tour sucks. If you hey. had him in the one and done this week, 17 k You heard what Saudi Arabia is offering him. Uh, $17,302. (laughs) (laughs) That's all. Thanks for listening to the 73rd hole, the official podcast of Golf Oklahoma.